Today's episode does mention pedophilia, drug use, and eating disorders. So if you have a sensitivity to any of those topics, I would say maybe this episode isn't for you. It's the summer of 2012. I've arranged for some urban-style dancers through my company House Vixens for a Red Bull-sponsored event in East London. At the last minute, one of the girls cancels, and I'm left with no option but to cover the slot. It's not normally my area of expertise. I prefer a more sultry style of striptease over the athletic pole tricks, but, you know, a gig's a gig. When I arrive, I find my fellow performer, Phoenix, and we head to the changing room. I slip into a neon pink mesh body with a thong and red heart pasties underneath, hair in sky-high fake ponytail, and hoop earrings big enough for a dolphin to leap through. This is about as hip-hop as I can personally get. As we head onto the stage, I hear the screaming crowd. I take to the pole first, with Phoenix waiting her turn in the wings. The bass is deafening. The room is absolutely packed, wall-to-wall, going bananas for what appears to be the main event. A rap artist I don't recognize. Not that that means anything. I know nothing about modern rap stars. He's slight and not very tall, 5'8 max, wearing a black hoodie, zipped open revealing a bare chest and millions of gold chains, along with the customary baggy jeans revealing his boxers. As I bend over, ask to audience, I can see the woman at the front screaming with excitement, as well as him making his way over to me. To my horror, it looks like he's going to try and hump my ankle, and I'm not sticking around to find out if I'm right. I exit quickly and fling Phoenix in his direction, who kindly allows him to gyrate on her for the rest of his set. Apparently, his name is ASAP Rocky. Lord knows why he's called himself as soon as possible anyway. Hi, Heaven. Bonjour. (laughs) Are we doing this episode in French? Oui, oui. You are a star in France. It was just kind of in my head. Okay. Yeah, we were talking about the star in France before we started recording to give people some reference. And what other French words do you know? Um, je m'appelle Heaven. Uh, j'habite on the Sud London. <laughs> that is the extent. Okay. Um, it's good. I know. Fais-moi bisous. What's that? Give me a kiss. Oh, fais moi bisous. That's all you need to know. Nice. So what have you been up to? What's been going on with you? Um, well, not much. I mean, work's been pretty terrible. For any other strippers that work in London and are also affected by the strikes, they will know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. I've, it's been pretty... I've heard it's been pretty... It's been pretty atrocious. tough all around. Um, and my club is not giving back house fees, unlike some clubs, which is not fun. No, so, yeah, that so that's been going on, and uh, and my best customer. I've lost my best customer. How he's stopped talking to me. Oh, and I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but I told him about the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and he said he'd listened to a couple of episodes. Do you think that maybe the first episode of My Hairy Asshole maybe like, <laughs> turned him off? Do you think that I wasn't mean, his? I was. Is just that not of- your brand? I was just thinking, like, because I kind of have amnesia about all this. Like, I know that I've said some terrible things on this podcast, um, but You're I can't really remember what. Well, I sort I mean, of just goes out of my head. I'm like, no, I haven't just told the world that thing that I didn't <laughs> want to tell anyone ever. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think you've listened to Uh-oh. quite a few episodes and I've just been left on red for like two weeks now. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that was a good customer I as know. well. That was like... 
probably my best customer ever and you you nosed it with fuck (laughs) (laughs) terrible terrible wonderful stories yeah so that's that's what's been going on with me how about you what have you been up to well I I went on a date (gasps) oh you did I did with two men at the same time oh so these are the guys that I met at the sex party (sighs) um I decided that it would be because I only talked to one of them and so I knew that like one of them was my vibe, but then the other one I was just so watching you, him. Yeah, you saw them together. Well, so one of yeah, banging that woman. one girl. Yeah, that one woman. <laughs> and she looked like she was having a great she did, time. And I wanted to be her. And one either end. Yeah. Okay, so she had one in her mouth and one. Oh, I mean all sorts of stuff. Okay, but w- the one that I didn't speak to, it was like he had like an Energizer bunny rabbit like battery attached to his hand. I've never seen somebody's hand oh, move wow. that quickly like in real time. Okay. And I was like, wow, you're like my vibrator. That's amazing. <laughs> so I said to him, the one that I did get the number from, I was yeah. like, oh, you know, uh, bring your friend along and I'll see if I like him too. And they were both really nice, but the friend is um, really into Jesus. That's <laughs> <laughs> so your vibe. <laughs> which, um, Jews for Jesus. It is a thing. Look it up. Which is not really a bit of me um but then I keep thinking about his very fast moving hand and I just want to give it a go you know what you can put Jesus to one side for a, a really fast moving hand I mean I think I can I'm gonna give it a go he was really because I sometimes can be for the ultimate mischief side of things I was kind of like digging in on the Jesus stuff and I was like so like what like what are you into with he goes so he goes to church every Sunday oh um and like he really struggles with his uh desire to bang me with his friend and his love for Jesus I so mean, that I think those ones are always the best fucks right I'm, yeah well because I'm hoping there's that just this his... whole lot of guilt and shame yeah, yeah, yeah. and like um, they gotta get it all out in that like one little time where that's God's what I'm hoping for maybe that's why his hand so... moves so fast it's just guilt <laughs> quick, quick. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I I'm gonna see if I can make this work for me um I'm gonna give it a go I would love to be a fly on the wall so I'm currently uh in the administrative uh side of things of trying to link up everyone's diaries um and also Not Sunday no Sundays. No, Sundays are out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the Lord's Day. I mean, do you remember how loads of the Brazilian women that we used to work with, um, they all wore like, Saint, was it St. Christopher's They had crosses, crosses yeah. Or, were, were they like rosary type things? I'm or? not sure. As we know, my knowledge of church and Jesus <laughs> is very limited um, as a Jew not for Jesus. Um, well, I'm not not for Jesus. I'm just, he was, he was all right. Yeah, he was a cool guy. Yeah. But just, you know. But I'm not like Jesus. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I recall that a load of the Brazilians that we used to work with, um, they would all go to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I found that kind of amazing because, and so like there'd be like a whole thing where either the cross or the St. Christopher's would be worn in the front and then they would put it towards their back to like when they were doing like, I don't know, when they're like winking their asshole at someone or like doing something. Like like, doing a private dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like flip it over your shoulder. Well, there was one woman named Claudia. That was her dance name. And she used to like do this amazing, she could like really make her clip move. Like, have you seen women who can do that? I that. What can you? Yeah. What like dance? Yeah, because I had that one customer who came in every Wednesday for years, and he would make me do it. So I'm now actually quite good at doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never tried. Oh, I'll show you. <laughs> now it's easy. It's just like almost like doing kegels. Okay. It feels kind of like oh. <laughs> okay, so everyone's a winner. But she would do that, and she would like get requested to do that. Right. What could she like clap? I don't. What clap or clip? Like, clap. 
I don't know, like her vagina was moving that much. No, no, just her clit. (laughs) And then whenever she would do her like special magical clit dance that apparently everyone can do, she would take her St. Christopher's and she would just throw it behind her back. back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. she totally got away with it because the Lord is not all around. <laughs> if there is a Lord. Yeah, isn't he, yeah, isn't he supposed to be like... Are they? All seeing, all she? hearing. Yeah. All being. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know if like just chucking your necklace on your back is... But I mean, at least like, you know. Listen, if it works for you, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. really the thing she at the end the effort, of the day. So. She did. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite good. So today we're going to talk about strippers, drugs... And rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, so you and I only have ever really been friends in my sober-ish I think I've only period. ever seen you tipsy and high from edibles. But when I say edibles, I mean like me and you are such lightweights that we'll do like four milligrams and that would be more than enough. 3.8 Three. to 3.8. Be... Exactly. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, because I feel like you know, when you think about strippers, you always think that everybody's sort of like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but Mm -hmm. that's not true. Obviously with the Brazilian women and like a lot of the women from Eastern Europe that we used to dance with and stuff were all really, really straight. Mm -hmm. You know, they went to church, they were very family oriented. um, And this was definitely just like a job where I feel like everybody who I gravitate towards, you and (laughs) all of our best friends and some of the women we've had on the show, they have all been wild child yeah. and who like always wanted to be strippers always wanted to be a stripper yeah and I kind of always wanted to be a stripper I think yeah, 100% I mean and I was like always just fascinated with anything that was like remotely sexual I think you and I were both of a similar ilk when we were kids sort of like mischievous naughty out partying from quite an early yeah. age like when did you do your first class A I mean my drug of choice was WD-40 for a long time <laughs> Trust me. What do you do with it? You inhale it. Well, you're puffing. You inhale the the fumes. Well, you did like the paper back stuff. Yeah. You just inhaled it. I mean, you could literally spray it and just like sniff it all That's like you're going to Valhalla and like Mad Max or something. (laughs) (laughs) So that was technically like my entry level, I think. Okay. So, So I mean, who... (laughs) That was my gateway drug. Yeah. Who who first gave you a WD-40? I think I was at like a gig uh, in my local area at a church, actually. Speaking of Jesus... Oh, the best things happen in churches, I guess. <laughs> they do indeed. Um, and yeah, and I think this girl that I was kind of hooking up with at the time, she was in the year above me at school. Yeah. And uh, she just had WD-40 on her, as you do. So, but and like, I remember it... just being in the churchyard, just like inhaling with her and getting really fucking high, having to sit down on the ground. <laughs> and then it just became my thing. And then I found poppers and I was like, oh, this way makes way more sense. You can just carry them in your pocket. Yeah, rather than like having Than to... just like having a big can of WD-40 <laughs> on you at all times. And also <laughs> you can get like a brain bleed at any Also that, yeah. Guys, do not fucking try that. I mean, like, just... That's literally yeah, the worst. I think we're so... bringing us back to what the fuck is Evan doing? <laughs> <laughs> what would Buffy do? And what the fuck is Evan doing? But what would Buffy do? Only I got to this knowledge through all the dumb shit <laughs> I did as a young person. Tell us some dumb shit. 
Ah, uh, I mean, so my gateway drug was, um, well, I guess my gateway drug was marijuana, as all of the um, movies would have you think, but it was also true. So I smoked some weed when I was like 12. And then um, I quickly progressed to cocaine. <laughs> What, like 12 and a half? Yeah, about 13 years old. So I grew up in this lovely suburb of California, or of California, of San Francisco, and um, the lovely Walnut Creek. And my best friend and I, at the time, she was dating... um, a pedophile because that's just <laughs> what we did in those days. That is honestly. <laughs> Sorry, we're gonna have to do a trigger warning. Oh god, another trigger warning. <laughs> anyway, and um, he procured some cocaine for us because he was an adult. Because he was a massive nonce. Yeah, but he wasn't with us at the time. We so we just did the nonce procured cocaine uh, together in a field um, and talked a lot. God knows about what, because we were like 13. So, uh, I mean, we didn't really have much to say. She was also the friend who was like, you know what? I know how to get really skinny. And I was like, no way, how? And then she's like, you just don't eat. Oh. <laughs> like, really? And then I tried it for like half a day and I was like, I'm so hungry. You tried it for half a day? That's, That's not rubbish. a good effort. I no. think I did it for at least three days. Yeah. Years? <laughs> years. <laughs> Ten years. <laughs> All right. I'm making up for it now, don't worry. Second trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, eating disorders will be discussed. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that at uh, the beginning of the show. When you guys hear the trigger warning, just know that we only work out that we need to do them mid-episode. Mid-sentence. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh shit, this needs a trigger warning. <laughs> it's never before because uh, we don't plan it. Uh, um, so yeah, so that was my early... Foyer into drug taking. And then um, I got a fake ID because my boyfriend at the time made fake IDs. So that was very handy. Really handy. Yeah. Big part of the appeal. He was also a pedophile. <laughs> I was Jesus. 16 and he was about 23. Um, and, but that's not how it felt at the time. So we have to, like, oh, no. no, we have yeah. to give reference to this. The only cool girls dated men if you dated a child of your age you were not cool in the 90s I'm just gonna yeah when I was 14 my boyfriend was 24 and I was like I have no problem with that that's perfectly fine I consent to all of this obviously you can't actually consent as a 14 year old but looking back at it I remember my parents just being okay with it yeah they were just kind of like okay but it was also a thing of like back in the day different time and also different kids both like, of our dads married a very young woman. They did. <laughs> our parents have very big age differences between they them. They do. Anyway. So, I, I don't feel traumatized by this. I don't feel abused this. or traumatized. No. Let me just put my hand yeah. up now. Um, putting both hands up. We're all fine with that. I'm my first boyfriend. But yeah, so I had a fake ID mm-hmm. and I used to go to raves. And so like in the 90s in California, in well, in Northern California, there was a whole area in an area called uh, Oakland where they had home base and they were the huge warehouses and loads of them were empty. So they would get home base is like a, like it's a like, garden store, yeah, like in a garden the UK. store. Yeah, well, no, that's it's what it is there oh, too. Is that what yeah, it was? but they're huge, huge warehouses oh, wow. that they had. So they were all. So you was, were raving at home base. Yeah, but they were the empty warehouses, that's and so like cool. thousands of people converge onto these empty warehouses to go to these raves that would have like sometimes they had like twenty thousand people at them. Wow. Like they were huge. Other ones would be more like five thousand. It was in the sketchiest area that you could ever go to. I don't know if there's an equivalent mm-hmm. here. And I remember standing at the train with you actually. It's terrifying, Oakland, and I was like, "What is going on here?" That would be like considered a nightmare. <laughs> bit of Oakland yeah. and so I was 13 with a fake ID on like a lot of ecstasy and my dad bless him 
I think they just kind of worked out because I think they tried to tell me I couldn't go to a rave. And I was like, okay. And then I just ran away uh, for a week. <laughs> I went to lots of raves. And so they were like- Crammed oh. them all in. Yeah, crammed them all in. So my dad was just like, okay, listen, I will drive you there. Mm-hmm. I will drop you off. I had a pager. So they gave me a pager, a cell phone, um, and I had like a brick cell phone. And I had like this little backpack. And I had to, they would page me at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. to call them and let them know that I was safe and I would call them so fucking high just telling them how much I loved them and then my dad would come and pick me up at eight in the morning um, oh, and drive me home you up. That's yeah because nice. they wanted me to be safe and so they just That's sort of were nice. like well she's gonna do it anyway yeah. so we might as well so yeah I mean my parents had very very similar ideas um and my mom would always well I distinctly remember her saying if you want to do drugs it's fine but just can you like do them at home Or like, tell me about what you're doing. And so we kind of built up this sort of friendship thing, which maybe liked a few boundaries, you know. (laughs) That's what therapy's for. Yeah. (laughs) My parents didn't quite go that far, but they did say to me, if you ever get into a situation where you feel like it's unsafe to get into a car, even if you didn't say you were going to be there, just tell us, we will come and pick you up and you will not be in trouble. And I think that's why I'm not dead. Yeah. So that's just- Well done, your parents. Yeah, well done. Uh, Look at me now. (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely the same. Um, the only things I didn't tell my parents about was when I used to bunk off school. Like, uh, I didn't tell them about that. I told yeah. them about everything else because I was like, they're cool with it. But with the school thing, I didn't. And so I used to get uh, the bus to my friend's house in the morning and we would take a spare a pee bag, so mm-hmm. if you're doing physical education, yeah. um, full of goth clothes oh. and goth boots. And we would go to the graveyard in the church, Jesus again. What, to do WD-40? To do WD-40. No. <laughs> It was like eight in the morning. We weren't there yet. Um, We would go to the church. We would take off our school uniform with like hide behind a gravestone, put our school uniform in our PE bag and hide the PE bag like round the back of a grave um, and then put our goth clothes on and go to Camden and wait until the pub would open. And then we would go to the pub. And stay there all day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if my parents have been down with that either. I did used to like cut at least first period to smoke weed quite often. Um, That was sort of like then the rest of the day, I would just be incredibly high. I left school at 15. um, So, you know, obviously really won won the game there. I mean, I might as well have, to be honest. (laughs) So, I mean, did your parents ever have anything to say about like your clothes or anything like that? They were actually quite supportive in just sort of my individuality um, and sort of dressing maybe beyond my years a little and experimenting with makeup and hair. And obviously I had the whole goth thing going on. Um, So I think they just kind of thought it was quite creative. And so they did sort of support it. They would ask me like, why do you dress like that? My parents did too. They'd ask questions, but they would never say, you can't go out like that. Yeah, my parents really kind of uh, supported me. I mean, one time my dad and I had a huge argument where when I was like a 13 and decided I wanted to wear a um, white mini dress with uh, heels. They were called candies. They were all the rage in the 90s. Jenny McCarthy was the uh, model I for them. We'll do a link in the uh, show notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was to a wedding. So yeah, I was like, I looked like oh, I do with right your now. Parents. Yeah, yeah, with my right, parents. Okay. My dad was like, you cannot wear... Like basically, you could see my asshole in this dress. Also, why no a wedding? Yeah. Mm-mm, also, not okay. No bra, and you could like see my nipples no bra, through this. Yeah. No panties. Basically, yeah. <laughs> at thirteen, and my dad, we had a huge fight, but I won and I wore it. And my aunt still to this day is like, "You looked amazing." <laughs> <laughs> I bet you fucking did. Yeah. But so, at what point did you sort of get like the the nude 
bug? Like, when did you start like getting naked? I think when I started to realize that I was getting male attention. Oh, okay. I quite enjoyed that. And I think I started hanging out at Camden on a Saturday uh, with all the other goths and we would sort of, you know, have sex uh, in toilets and <laughs> keep it all the casual 13 year old things um, <laughs> and just drink by the lock and do WD-40. Um, and sort of as I, as the time went by, I think the outfits got sluttier and sluttier because I kept getting male attention, like more and more male attention. Um, and I suddenly realised that I had this power <laughs> over men which I've been you know welding around for the past 15 years and making good money off of it um so, so this is the freeze this is the training yeah so I kind stages. of discovered it and it just yeah I so just really just, lent into it would um, you just get naked like what, what was like the trigger for you getting super, naked I would wear super sort of revealing outfits and then we started going to um a club called slime light mm-hmm. which is this sort of industrial goth club around the back of angel I had a fake ID too hey. um it was actually just a fake university card so it's not even technically an id so they probably shouldn't have taken it but they did it's england they at those yeah, days they didn't so, give yeah. a fuck um and so i was going to slime light and in slime light they have cages mm-hmm. so if you were a sexy girl and you wanted to maybe take or in your case a sexy child or a sexy child <laughs> if you're a sexy child <laughs> which i obviously was um <laughs> You could get in the cage, take your top off, you know, like there wouldn't, there was no real rules on nudity in this club. Um, And you could kind of dance around, like. Yeah, so you just, that was the first moment that that you were like. That was the thing, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I actually, I remember the time that I actually got fully naked at a club that was not a strip club. Uh, Basically, I have a very great friend of mine. Um, I think I can give him a shout out, actually. He wouldn't mind, Riyadh. Um, So he was a DJ at a lot of the alternative clubs in Camden uh, back in the day, probably like 15 years ago. So I must have been about 15. Um, And he was just my mate. We were just mates. And he would get me into the club by going round the back. So I'd go through the back door where the DJs would go in. Um, And I remember one night I got so smashed and I said to him, if you play Prince Kiss, I will get completely naked (laughs) in the middle of the dance floor. He laughed at me. I think he didn't take me seriously. He was like, all right then. And literally just put it on. And I was like, fuck, I got to do it now. But I I also kind of fucking enjoyed it. So I strutted onto the dance floor. (laughs) And I remember taking off my dress only to reveal that I had the worst underwear on. Like, it wasn't sexy underwear. I had, like, one of those beige bras. Yeah. That's, like, you know, like, ill-fitting. Yeah. It was very loose and beige. It didn't really do anything for me. And I had my sister's knickers on. Um, <laughs> she was, like was even more of a child. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like, they unicorn. They were, like, green. Yeah. They were, like, <laughs> they had, like yeah, unicorn or fucking flowers on them or something. <laughs> And I just started, I remember getting onto the floor and doing what I now believe is floor work. Oh, yes. <laughs> In fact, what I now know is floor work. I was rolling around on the floor. And I just remember this like circle forming around me of just guys just guys with their phones like this was in the time of like flip phones and you had just started to get just, like a camera on your yeah, flip phone just making some child porn. just like taking pictures <laughs> making some child porn. and I took that as like well people are enjoying it I'm going to continue and took off my bra and then security came in oh, and so security literally you have your moment I had my moment I had my five minutes of fame um in the like fucking jerk Cirque. circle yeah the jerk circle. 
<laughs> I thought it was so hot. Honestly, I was giving it all that. <laughs> and then security. I just remember them like grabbing me on the shoulder and picking me up and taking me round the back. Did you and, fight? What was and, you? No, no. I was like, I found it quite funny. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he took me round the back and I was like, will you let me go if I give you a lap dance? And that <laughs> might have been my first ever lap dance. I think it was. Well, you gave him a lap dance. Well, I tried. He wasn't, he was not into it. It's like, no, 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 just put your clothes back on. If there's any dads listening right now, I'm sure that you I just wish you had daughters like us. I am the reason I don't want children. Yeah, me Let me too. just put it out there. I mean, for lots of other reasons too. Like, I mean, there's many reasons. I have but nightmares. My number one reason is like I should never procreate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd quite enjoy. I, watch, I enjoy watching you with your dogs. So <laughs> yeah, my dogs you. are fucking wallies as well. Like I, my kids would be absolute dicks. <laughs> So yeah, so that was actually wow. I've just honestly, I've just had the revelation. So that an was epiphany. my first You're lap dance. Amazing. Or at least I mean, I've tried lap dance. I <laughs> <laughs> sort of like terrorist lap dance. <laughs> terrorist lap dance. <laughs> so yeah, I'm trying to think like when stripping first came into my mind. I think it was definitely when I was about 15 or 16 because right. I was always around older people. I was always the youngest person, um, and so it was like a woman was about. I think she was only 18 or 19, but she had loads of topless photos of herself. Um, Did she just carry these around with yeah, her? Yeah. Like they were just like in There's her bag. There's something slightly strange about that. There like- is. I was on a lot of mushrooms. And so I'm like at this weird house that we used to go to and just do drugs. And so I was on loads of mushrooms and ecstasy, I think, together. And then she was like, do you want to see my pictures? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then she pulled out all these topless photos of her. And she was sort of, I think she was like Polynesian or Hawaiian. You get a lot in California, big community. So she's really beautiful. And she had like the big flower behind her ear and then really long hair and like beautiful little small perky fashion tits and she was just like showing me all these pictures of herself and then saying that she worked in a club in San Francisco and you would just like eat steak and like people would pay you loads of money it sounds like the best job ever I know and I was like wow I mean I definitely didn't want to eat steak at that precise moment because steak and and drugs (laughs) is not I know just a terrible combination but I just remember it always being in my head like that was definitely a moment and so I think that when I... Did she specifically say that she was a stripper or she just like uh, alluded to it? I think like, that was the first time I sort of really had a conversation like, oh, with somebody about being a stripper. stripper. Yeah, definitely. She was sort of aware of that. So That's when I went to London a few years later, that was definitely the forefront of my mind where I was sort of like, okay, and you know if you cycle back to episode one of my deep failures. Um, <laughs> so when I sort of got sacked from the... So when I got sacked from the next job that I was, or the last job that I was doing as a bartender or whatever, um, I was definitely like, okay, I think stripper, stripper is definitely the way to go. But I was definitely- You must have been starving as well. No money, you get paid to eat. I don't know what I was doing at that point. I mean, I definitely was, I was doing a lot of drugs. I was definitely like party. You're definitely starving then. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was definitely starving, but didn't feel hungry at all. And the I- The joys of coke. Indeed. And so I- I used to travel around between the strip club and all these kind of crazy parties um, some celebrities were at. Um, And I would have a little rolly suitcase that had all of my costumes in it, but also had like a lot of drugs. So I was just sort of known as the woman who would turn up. And I remember bumping into somebody years ago, about like five years ago. And she was like, 
aren't you that stripper who used to turn up at like four o'clock in the morning with a suitcase full of drugs? And I was like, yes, yes, that is me. But I would have like everything. I would have like one of those stories, you know, that you hear through the. It was me. Yeah, it was me. I had uppers. I had downers. I had weed. I had like everything you could possibly want. I always had Xanax. I wouldn't do cocaine unless I had Xanax because I needed to know that I could sleep after the cocaine. So you were the like OCD drug user. Yes. So basically exactly as I am now, but taking drugs. (laughs) Um, And I used to have this like amazing little gold case that was. Uh, a cigarette case, but it also had a mirror on one side. And so I'd pre-roll all of my spliffs. Oh, wow. So they were like were absolutely organized. perfect. Yeah. So I'd organized. roll like 10 spliffs and then I would have like my Coke on the other side in its own little perfect wrapper that I like to make out of like different colored paper because I didn't like the white paper because it just wasn't as nice looking Dude. and a razor blade. And then I would have a actual like metal straw because who wants to share knows things with other people. And yeah, I was- That's so you. I know. You're literally the exact same person. Yeah, just not on (laughs) drugs. Just sober. Yeah, just sober, (laughs) basically. And so yeah, I was a a little intense, I would say, at the time. I'm still intense. Still intense, (laughs) might I add? (laughs) So yeah, I would have um, quite a fun time with that, really. But I remember one evening- trolling off with my little drug suitcase to fabric um and I did you never get checked but were you were there I just knew everybody so I would just sort of rock up to the front and somebody would let me in and I was there with some friends who were DJs there and so I had my little trolley drug case and I put it in the back and then it got to about I'd say like seven in the morning. And I realized that I had promised I was going to go meet a friend of mine at the pantomime because our <laughs> friend Louis was in the pantomime. And then every I'd never been to a pantomime Your as an American. Louis, I love, I don't know him, but I, I can't him. remember what his last name is, but he's an amazing, he was the one who had the, um, he's like the famous dance with the list. He is the famous dance so with the list. Um, but I was about to say Louis through. It's not him. It's- anyway. <laughs> But so Louis was in the show and I was really good friends with friends who are very good friends of his. And so I'd promised to meet them. They bought tickets and I was like, oh God. And then every, I was saying to everybody, I've got to go to this pantomime. And they're like, oh no, you don't. And I didn't know what they meant. Oh, I was yes. just like, I was like, oh, yes, I do. Yes. So I like had this really like uh, earnest conversation about, I really did need and did to go. did they just say it back? Yeah, oh, they just no, go, yeah, don't. over and over oh, again. Yeah. I was like, fuck off. So then I end up at this pantomime having had no sleep. I didn't realize how many children would be there. So there's just oh. children everywhere my absolute worst nightmare I was so high (laughs) and still have my drug suitcase with me haven't changed or like you know taken off my makeup or anything like that so I had full-on like sort of streaked stripper makeup on this drug suitcase and like just coke nose and like I remember just having like a bloody mary so you didn't know what pantomime was I had no fucking idea and then I sat through this <laughs> pantomime it's a very british thing it is a very fair. british thing and who else was in there was David Hasselhoff as oh Hoff the Hook and um Louis was Roger the Cabin Boy and so in the intermission we they're like my friends were like oh let's go behind you know we'll go backstage we'll go say hi to Louis and you can meet David Hasselhoff and it's like oh fantastic (laughs) so we go backstage and Louis lovely and everything's fine and then I turned to I was just doing coke in the bathroom just to stay awake and then David Hasselhoff turns up and first of all he's really tall like he's he's a huge man and he just started trying to like sell me merchandise so he was like <laughs> his own merchandise his own merchandise we had like cups and t-shirts and calendars and what? everything and he was like do you want to buy one I he's like that stripper like, you first met with the pictures yeah everybody's just like trying to sell me the merch I don't know so I was like I'm not going to share what I have in my suitcase but you know it was it's good <laughs> time. hilarious oh I love the half I love that story so <laughs> I feel good. like we would have probably died if we had been friends at this I know time. it's a really good job we weren't friends to be honest I mean it would have been awful do you remember when you did that uh, party for Cara Delvine. 
Oh God, yeah. So yeah, that was like had... House of Vixens days when you and I were, you know. Yeah, friends. we were working yeah. together. We were more like I was work working. friends. Yeah, yeah, work friends. So we didn't quite have the relationship we have now. Um, and I got asked to basically jump out of Cara Delevingne's birthday cake. I was in there for a long time. <laughs> It took a while. They wheeled us in and I just had to wait there with one other girl. We were losing oxygen in there. <laughs> and anyway, we like popped out of it and Cara, she didn't really care. No. It was like, she didn't, I don't know. She was a bit underwhelmed, to be honest. I thought she was going to, I think she thought she was going to get something better. Um, I love you popping out of my cake. I know, right? I pay for that now. I know. I can do that next yeah? year for your birthday. Oh, All right. I should have done that for your 40th. Yeah, you should have actually, but that's fine. Okay. I just remember the Let's picture of you in the So yeah, so this party actually got obviously there was lots of paparazzi outside and so I got papped for the first time in my life. Not completely on purpose. I was just sort of in the background of the shot and uh, you could see into the window of Cara Delevingne's house. I was going up the stairs and I had my arse out and it was a particularly unflattering angle whereby my arse looked about as wide as I was tall. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked weird and I had like a shrunken head and it was like, it was you very look, unflattering. Yeah, you did look a bit deformed. Yeah, it I remember a this, terrible picture. Well, actually, because the pap. other woman that you were papped with, yeah. she is like really tall and thin and she also, and she also looked, looked, like, looked <laughs> misshapen. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was the first time I got papped. Um, I mean, yeah. Also underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then, you know, and like, I just remember always at that time as well, the fun thing about strip clubs and working in strip clubs is that you kind of can be off your tents. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely mate, fine. Totally it's not how it. you make money. It is not how you do anything that is like yeah, actually useful. it's not useful. worthwhile. No. I mean, and it, I spent so much money mm-hmm. on just drugs and going out. <laughs> like I, I don't own anything <laughs> at all because of all the fun I had <sighs> and half but of that. You got those remember. memories. I do. So you remember mm. when we were talking the other week about um the hickey on my asshole yes so that was also a celebrity story we sort of had a chat about this and i feel like i can say um because so this was a, a model at the time who was called he was james having his heyday he was having time, his heyday right? at the time so his name was james gooding and he was kylie minogue's boyfriend and so basically he was just i mean he was like was he her boyfriend when he uh no i think they had broken up by this right. point it was definitely like later on but that was like he was just famous by proxy like mm-hmm. he just he was basically a stripper, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was like, a male stripper. And so after he gave me the hickey on my asshole, I remember him coming back through and he like messaged me saying that he was going to be in the strip club and, you know, like, or he was in the area, should I come down? So I told him to come down because I was just like, yeah, it's fine, come down. And he basically, I guess he must have planned this, but he didn't have anywhere to stay. And so I thought, oh, he's going to fuck me now, right? So I brought him back to my house. Still wouldn't fuck me like at all. And so the next day I had to go to work and I was just like, you know, you can't stay here and just like not fuck me. I don't really know what's going on here. And he was like, I was like, you didn't bring me anything. You're not paying anything. He's like, need to go, go stay at a hotel. He wouldn't leave. And then he was like, I did bring you something. I brought you an umbrella. And he tried to give me an umbrella as like a consolation prize for not fucking me. Or just his umbrella that he had. It was just his umbrella. And then when I was like, fuck off, he was like, it's expensive. It's 80 quid. (laughs) fucking care either lick my vagina or get off now fuck my vagina yeah fuck fuck licking it you've done that (laughs) like penetration (laughs) like 
or get out. <laughs> and then I've never known somebody to like take so much time, like packing their bags. How long did you stay? Like an hour after I like went mental. You see, I'd feel so deeply uncomfortable that I would, oh. if I pulled that on someone, I'd be like, all right. One thing I will say they is, found me out, I'll leave. he was made out of Teflon. He was like, he was totally unbothered. No, yeah. no. So I'll give you that, James, well. wherever you are. Right in, if you hear this. Right yeah, if you in. Hear we want to know. Like, you can still fuck me. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> or I'll have that probably, actually. <laughs> These days, I appreciate an expensive probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a bit of you, actually, now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that party that we did uh, with Hassel Dixon's, yeah. uh, your company, um, for Kate Moss? Wasn't it for yes. like, her birthday or something? It was her birthday. And, and she was like, going out with Pete Doherty at the time it was all so very rock was, and roll yeah, yeah it was she like was at the height of her like fucked up Kate stage <laughs> it was it was yes it, it was a time and I just remember everybody there it was sort of one of those things where I think when you're a stripper you're we're, you're so used to being at this like equal space right where like kind of uh, in my opinion anyway above no one below no one so mm-hmm. you know you get used to especially in the clubs that we worked in at that time um Browns was like it, you would get everybody, such a cross section of society mm-hmm. where you would get literally aristocrats and plumbers but all rubbing shoulders. But everybody's the same. As soon but as you walk in those yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing that I always loved about it. It was a great equalizer. Mm. So yeah, and I just remember we got went into the party and just everybody was just all they could talk about was Kate. Kate Moss, Kate, Kate, Kate. And you and I were just both like, yeah, whatever, Kate. And then when she did get there, she didn't even have a good time. She was so wrecked that she just sort of like, just like around whatever. on the floor. Yeah, I'm just like, I mean, basically us. Maybe she's doing WD-40. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, you know, and it was just sort of one of those things where I just thought, Ah, man, I'd rather be in a strip club right now. Yeah. <laughs> because it was just, I don't know, it was the sycophantic. I about all of the, you know, whenever all those we've parties. done like those big fancy, either celebrity or like super rich parties. No, having I fun. always feel like it's contrived fun. And I feel like you get a much better idea of what fun really is in the club. For us where anyway. It's not contrived. Yeah. It's just like everyone's having a laugh. Yeah. Everyone's on the same level. And, you know, and if somebody's not, at least you're getting paid a lot of money. You yeah, know, it's like, it's often, but I just always think, I don't know, with the group that we used to hang out with and people like Frankie and Chelsea and, you know, all of our favorite strippers that we would have a whole gang with, we would always have the best time. Yeah, and like even the if v- we weren't making money, we'd just be sat on the sofa chatting. Yeah, and laughing yeah. and having a good time. But it was always, yeah, I would say like those really big celebrity parties, like everybody's trying to like look to see if they should be talking to somebody mm. who's more important or, you know, asking who you know or what yeah. you do or It's all one that kind of the of- things that's led me to, to realize that I really don't care about no fame money those materialistic things because i mean i'll have some money if anybody I mean, wants to yeah. check it my way listen, but... listen we're all poor right now so. <laughs> take that back <laughs> but no not in that way but yeah but those things actually don't really matter because not they don't equals real fun so who is like your top celebrity in a strip club so i actually do have a story of a really fun celebrity in a strip club so i used to work at the sunset strip and um Okay, you. I don't know if you watch Coronation Street or if you've ever seen it, but it's no. Any of our I remember watching from the Holly UK and thinking it was a it's, joke, it's, and I was waiting for the canned laughter. It's a little bit better. Okay, it's a bit better. Um, and so I grew up watching Coronation Street with my mum every Wednesday night. That was our thing that we did. So anyone from the UK will totally know uh, what Coronation Street is. And there was this one guy, and I can't. I feel like I want to say his name's Ian, but probably not. He was the ginger actor. 
in <laughs> he was the ginger guy, okay? He was the ginger guy in For our American Street. listeners, it's basically a racist comment in this country. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe him, so I'm sorry, gingers. I know. I mean, they're all the same, I'm the gingers. So, no, I don't mean it like that. So anyway, the ginger actor from Coronation Street. Is that a trigger warning? This guy, to- trigger warning, would. <laughs> <laughs> shitting all over gingers. No, we're not. I'm not shitting on him. I'm saying he was a great client. Yeah. And I gave him a lap dance at the Sunset Strip. And he was so much fun. He paid me well. He had a really nice time. And yeah, I would totally welcome him See? back. And- so if you want to come visit, if you're listening... I love strangers. Love- and <laughs> I was gonna say where I work, but actually that's a massive giveaway. I can't actually say that. <laughs> We're supposed to be anonymous, but anyways. Anyway, I'm my like, home address great. is <laughs> Yeah, my postcode is. No. <laughs> that's that's the young heaven. Not anymore. Not anymore. She knows no. better. I don't give my postcode away to strangers for Ugg boots. No, no longer. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, I could uh-huh. talk sex, drugs, and rock and roll all day long, but um, it's like nearly nine o'clock, so I'm just going to go to bed now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm also really hot because I'm still wearing this fucking woolly hat. <laughs> and we're inside, there's heating. I don't need it on anymore. All right. Anyway, see you later, heaven. Good night. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate you hitting that subscribe button and leaving us a positive review. All show notes and social media links can be found on our website, www.strippersintheattic.com. This episode was brought to you by House of Vixens, produced by Stephen Armstrong. Editing and post-production by Adam Grigg. Original music by Myron Cohen and Hart McNee. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I'm Buffy. And I'm Heaven. And together we are... Strippers in the Attic. Strippers in the Attic.